All right, so I think we're going to go ahead and get started. Uh, my name is Rebecca Haas. I'm the assistant manager here at the Ricerstown Road branch, and I wanted to thank all of you for coming tonight. Really appreciate it. Um, we're really excited to have Russ Kick with us tonight for this program. Um, Mr. Kick is actually from Tennessee, but came by Chinatown bus for tonight's program. So we're very grateful um, for his willingness to come. I uh, just want to give you a little bit of information about this book that we're going to hear about tonight, uh, The Graphic Canon, Volume 1. Um, it's been hailed as the graphic publishing literary event of this year by Publishers Weekly. Um, and Russ is going around doing this tour with independent bookstores and libraries promoting it. Um, some of the different authors and artists we're going to be hearing about are Crumb, Will Eisner, Molly Crabapple, um, and it's part of a three-volume set. So this is just the first one, first volume of three volumes. So we're going to hear about that. Um, and Russ says he gives us more information. So thank you again for coming. Feel free to help yourself to refreshments. Um, at the end, we do have evaluations, so please take a couple of minutes to fill that out for us. Thanks so much, and, and thanks, Russ. Thank you. Um, yeah, thanks, everybody, for coming out. And thanks to Rebecca and the library for having me out here. Um, okay. <laughs> Better. Yep. Okay. Um, yeah, so this is the first volume of three that are coming out this year. Um, and the idea was just to go to a bunch of comics artists and illustrators and ask them to interpret the world's greatest works of literature. Um, and there, there's actually a long tradition here of, like, of souping up the written word. Um, there's been illuminated manuscripts in the Middle Ages. Uh, I was just uh, in New York with the book launch, and uh, there was a museum there that had books that had been written with actual gold ink, um, as in they took pure gold and ground it down and used it to write um, Korans and Bibles, and there was even one book there written in human blood. And so uh, there's been this long tradition of making the written word more visual and is using of using literature as a... Uh, as a, a, a basis for other kinds of art. So I think now we're in a golden age of comic art and illustration and graphic novels, so this seemed like the perfect time to do this. So what I'd like to do is just like jump right into the art and tell you about some of it from all three volumes. Uh, we start right at the beginning with Gilgamesh, uh, this is the world's oldest surviving long-form work of literature. Uh, it was written in 1000 BC on clay tablets in Babylonia. And so uh, Kevin Dixon did this complete adaptation of it. And this is the, the Bull of Heaven episode where the gods send a bull that Gilgamesh has to fight. And then we immediately move into like a completely different look. Uh, this is um, Coyote and the Pebbles. It's a Native American trickster tale. And 
as you can see, the, the artist took a completely different approach to this. And I, I wanted to make sure indigenous literature got in here too. Uh, so that's why you see this and there are some other ones from Native Americans. And then this is Lysistrata. This is a um, one of the ancient Greek plays, and uh, it's actually it's uh, it's it gets pretty racy. Uh, this is one of the tamer pages, but part of this is that um, I asked the artists not to censor the literature because sometimes literature. Um, I mean, it gets subversive. There's, there's sex and, and violence and um, political subversion and things. So I asked them to stay true. And, yeah, and this, this is one of them. And then this is from uh, the book of Esther in the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament. And what I like about this is that the... Uh, the actual original Hebrew is all throughout the whole thing. It's hand-lettered, running through all the artwork. And this is uh, the writings of Confucius. And this is kind of a more humorous take because um, in Chinese, Confucius actually means uh, Master Kong. And so this is kind of like a King Kong take on that. Now this is the book of Revelation. Uh, Rick Geary did this, and there's lots of really, you know, strange images throughout the book of Revelation. Uh, th this is the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And we have Beowulf, which has one of the... the best fight scenes in literature where Beowulf has to fight the monster Grendel and this is from uh, the tale of Genji which is actually the world's first novel it was written just after the year 1000 in Japan by a, a lady of the court and so Molly Kiley did 10 full page illustrations based on the women of Genji and let's see, I think, yeah, there's another one she did. Because Genji was a son of the emperor, and this it was mainly about uh, all the women in his life. And this is um, Hildegard von Bingen, one of the uh, mystic nuns of the Catholic Church. She wrote, uh, she wrote a lot of hymns, and so... This is an illustration of one of them, and uh, because it's a hymn about nature, it was actually colored with earth-based pigments and plant-based pigments. And this is from the Tibetan Book of the Dead, which is this work that, um, well, it, it's meant to be read to people as they're dying, and then actually in the days after their death, too, to, to guide them through uh, the time between lifetimes as the Buddhists see it to tell them what they're experiencing and what they're seeing and so um, Sonia Glizik was the artist who did this 
and let's see, I think I have a few of hers. Yeah, these are some of her other. And okay, then this one's from the Arabian Nights, um, and this is one of the one of the more uh, explicit tales that's in there. Um, this is um, well, the Arabian Nights is not all Sinbad and Aladdin. Um, there, there is some uh, pretty juicy stuff in it that never gets talked about. So. Um, I I told one of the artists about this, and she wanted to go ahead and do it. So again, this is one of the the tamer pages that you'll find in here. Uh, then yeah, this is the uh, the Divine Comedy, specifically the, the Inferno from Dante, and this is Seymour Trost's version of what's going on there. Then this is Apuayante, which is a a play from the Incas because the Inca loved putting on plays until, uh, of course, you know the Spanish invasion almost wiped out their culture. And this is the only play that survives from any Native American tribe. So the uh, yeah, the artist uses this really great technique where the, each page looks like a single work of art, but it's actually. Um, you know, it actually reads as a sequential comic. And here's here's another page from it. And then this is Outlaws of the Water Margin, which is one of the classic Chinese novels. It's kind of a, a Robin Hood tale. And these are the outlaws who live in the marsh. And Sean Cheng did like a series of character illustrations of them. And this is Popolva, which is the uh, the Mayan holy book, um, and uh, Roberta Gregory, who's one of the first female underground cartoonists, did this for the book. She did the the story of the creation of the human race, and this is the first attempts to make humans. Uh, then we have the uh, the visions of Saint Teresa from her autobiography, which is a, a classic of spiritual literature, and this is her most famous vision, where the angel with the burning spear is piercing her heart, and you know it's done in in kind of a, a stained glass kind of look, and there's another one from that. Uh, then this is kind of a, a little-known poem by one of Shakespeare's rivals, and uh, the, the artist took this really amazing op art approach to this. And this is from Edmund Spencer's Fairy Queen, which is the longest uh, poem in the English language, and uh, each panel of the comic is an actual painting. This is King Lear, uh, taken from an actual full uh, full adaptation of the entire play that Ian Pollock did by um, drawing with pen and ink and then coloring with watercolors. And there's another page from it. So I really, I, yeah, I mean the coloring with watercolor paints 
in a comic is pretty uncommon. So I think it, it gives it like a really different look. And then this is part of uh, Sonnet 18 from Shakespeare. And uh, Robert Berry took a really interesting approach um, because this is you know, the, the poem's about a loved one who's, who's passed away. And so he made it about his mom and has these great yellows in it. Okay, this is Paradise Lost um, by Rebecca Darts, and she she had always wanted to illustrate Paradise Lost, but never had a reason to. And then I came along with this project, and suddenly, you know, she she knew that she could get it published. That if she put all the time and effort into it, so yeah, it's a really unusual take because that that big figure there is Satan and this is all the the demons they're marching off to a big meeting they're having and then in this page this is the last page this is Adam and Eve being expelled from the Garden of Eden oh, and then we have a couple of um, a couple of fun takes on Candide by Voltaire. Uh, yeah, just really nice colors in this one. Oh uh, yeah, and here we have Robert Crumb, uh, who is one of the, you know one of the legendary underground comics artists, and he chose Boswell's London Journal because James Boswell wrote one of the, well, it's considered the best biography ever written, Life of Johnson, and he also kept a private diary that's also kind of a classic now um, that his family suppressed for years because by day, you know, he would go and have these talks about literature and philosophy with the other intellectuals, and then by night, he was at the taverns and at the gambling houses and with prostitutes. And so, yeah, this it, it took 150 years for this to, to come out. So, of course, this is what Robert Crumb chose to illustrate because that's his kind of person right there. And then this is uh, Dangerous Liaisons, which is most famous as a movie, but it's a classic French novel. And so Molly Crabapple did some illustrations for this. And so this is at the end of the 1700s, which is also the end of Volume 1. So sometime like in August or September, Volume 2 will be out. And we'll take a look at some of that. Uh, this is Kublai Khan by Coleridge, where he he was on opium when he had all these visions that came to him, and he just he just wrote down all the poetry um, without even thinking about it. And this is Pride and Prejudice. Uh, a friend of mine did this, uh, who's obviously a great artist, never been published before. Um, she never had tried to get published, though. 
Um, and so, yeah, so I told her she had to do something for this book, and uh, Jane Austen's her favorite author. So this is what she chose. Oh, this is one of the most famous poems uh, from William Wordsworth. It's one of the most famous in the English language. And the artist here, it's about um, a huge field of daffodils. So he decided to set it on another planet. And somehow, you know, he really, he made it work. So this is a great example of, like, how you can use graphic adaptations to do something unexpected with a really famous work. This is uh, from S. Clay Wilson, who was one of the original underground comics artists. He started this back in... Uh, well, I mean, he was like he was around in 1968 with Robert Crumb and everybody. He was, and he was the most extreme of them. I mean, they all admit he was, yeah, he was the most extreme. And so he's done a series of illustrations for fairy tales from the Brothers Grimm, and Hans Christian Andersen, which is kind of funny at first, but then you realize actually, you know, the the original fairy tales before Disney got to them. Were, you know, there there was a lot of uh, violence, and and they weren't really actually even meant for kids in the beginning. They just got toned down. So, so right, right. So, yeah, this is S. Clay Wilson going back to the originals, and, and this is Snow White, which you probably. Might not recognize at, at first glance. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's him. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So yeah, we were really lucky to to get him in the book. Yeah, and then yeah, he's still around. Yeah, and. And then going back a ways, this is William Blake, who is one of the great mystic poets of the 1800s. And he actually um, would, would illustrate his own work. And so, yeah, he, he was kind of a pioneer. He was doing this 100 years ago. And almost always now, his, his poetry is presented just as the text. You don't get to see the illustrations anymore, usually. So... We ran like five or six of them in volume two. And then this is Robert Crumb's younger brother, Maxon, who did some illustrations for Edgar Allan Poe. And this is the Telltale Heart. And yeah, you can see he has a style of his own. And this is the same artist who did the Tibetan Book of the Dead and that we saw in volume one. And... Uh, yeah, this is a uh, a strange children's classic called Struel Peter from the mid 1800s in Germany, and this is that book that like tried to scare kids into you know into not doing things like you know if you suck your thumb, this guy's going to come around and cut off your thumbs, and you know if you play with matches. <laughs> you'll light yourself on fire. And so 
um, yeah, th- this artist decided to update it and add her own vision to it. So we have a few illustrations of that. Oh, and this is uh, the hashish eater, because in the in the 1800s there was this uh, this trend, I guess, of like of people taking different drugs and then writing about it. There's a whole there's a whole little genre of of books like that, and so I think this is one of the best ones, the most interesting, and uh, John Pyrard illustrated some of the visions. And then this is a speech for Fre- from uh, Frederick Douglass, who was an escaped slave, who then became one of the most eloquent speakers for abolition. And so some of, some of his speeches and his autobiography are, are classics of literature. So that's in there. Oh, and then there's a. This is from uh, Les Misérables. This this artist. Uh, I don't even know how to describe what she did. I mean, she combines like small illustrations with hand lettering, and um, radical use of typography and. Uh, these great colors and all these ornaments, and she just created this kind of uh, total package here that I don't. It's it's not exactly comics. I, I don't know what it is, but it's great. And there, there's uh, there's 30 pages of it, and if you if you read the text, she actually chose like the highlights of the novel, so you do actually get the story when you're reading it. This is Alice in Wonderland that Dame Darcy did. She always wanted to illustrate those books. So she actually used black paper with white ink, which is kind of an unusual approach. And then this is uh, the Jabberwocky, a different artist, did this poem uh, about the, the boy who fights the Jabberwocky and ends up killing it and did it as silhouettes. And then there's an Alice Gallery where I had a, a dozen artists you know, give their version of the characters from Alice in Wonderland. And this is this is the Caterpillar done in, in kind of a psychedelic way. And then this is uh, Middle March by George Eliot which is one of the great novels of the 19th century. And the artist Megan Kelso here has this kind of, it's almost a Charles Schultz peanuts kind of, it's a little more complicated than that, but like if you look at their faces, you see that she used these really simple lines, um, and, but made them really expressive anyway. And then this is uh, Anna Karenina, by Tolstoy. There's a there's a key scene from that. And then this is uh, a work of philosophy, Thus Spake Zarathustra, by Nietzsche. And this is kind of different. This is like a summary of the book, and then direct quotes from it are in the speech bubbles from Zarathustra. 
And this is um, Occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge by Ambrose Bierce, which is uh, sometimes thought of as the, the greatest American short story ever written. So this is like a wordless take on that. And then the final, the final one is the picture of Dorian Gray. Um, and John Coulthart did 10 full-page um, uh, collages, that's the word, uh, based on it. And like the interesting thing here is that the text that you're seeing is actual, uh, an actual scan of a first edition of the book from 1891. So yeah, that's the end of the 1800s and the end of Volume 2. And then we start into uh, Volume 3, which should be out sometime right before the year ends. And it's all about the 20th century. And it starts with Heart of Darkness by Joseph Conrad. It's It's the first illustration in the book. And this is a little-known novel that um, it's called The Awakening by Kate Chopin. And um, it destroyed her career because she, she wrote about a married woman who got bored with her life. And so, um, among other things, she had an affair. And this is like around 1900. And the book was just attacked and... Um, she was attacked. They, everybody just cut it to pieces, and it, it ended her career. She never got published again. And so I was happy to see one of the artists decide to, to bring this, this work back. And this is from uh, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. The, this is a photo diorama where the, the artist decided to you know, get away from the famous movie and get back to the original novel. And so he, he built little photo dioramas, little sets based on, on the, uh, based on the novel and then photographed them. So this actually exists. I mean, this isn't digital art or anything. There's, somewhere on a tabletop is, is this thing that he created. And then this is an early story from Ernest Hemingway. It's pretty rare. You, uh, you won't even find it in his collected short stories. It was like the second, second uh, story he ever did. And so we had um, an artist from Marvel decided to do this one. And he wasn't sure if he was going to have time, but then he, he decided he couldn't pass up the opportunity to illustrate a Hemingway boxing story. And then there are two poems from Edna St. Vincent Millay. And uh, she was a poet from the, the early 20th century. And uh, this, this kind of uh, little-known artist, Joy Kalitsky, did two of her poems and did this amazing job. This one's in, in black and white, and then there's the other one in color. Uh, and this one's about a woman who's the daughter of um, a priest and a leprechaun. 
And then this is from a rare, um, rare early short story by William Faulkner. And again, this is never included in any of his short story collections. So you get the full text with this one. The artist came up with all these great full-page illustrations based on the, the strange visuals that Faulkner provided. And this is The Great Gatsby, which is about to be made into another movie. And uh, this is uh, Tara Siebel's version of it. Um, she also did the Les Miserables that I showed a little while ago. Okay, and this is the only piece in, in, the, in all three volumes that doesn't actually have any images with it. It's, uh, it's just radical use of typography and graphic design. And uh, it's Letters to a Young Poet by the poet Rilke. And yeah, th this, is just, this is a graphic designer who, this is his favorite book, and he wanted to do this, this radical layout of it. And so yeah, there's just a few pages to kind of show you, give you the idea of what, what's going on. Yeah, and then we have Black Elk Speaks, which is um, you know the autobiography of, of the medicine man, Black Elk, and like the the main part of the book is this huge vision he has while he's sick when he's nine years old. He was like he was in a coma for I think twelve days and no one knew why, and he had this this elaborate vision. So Molly Kiley did this amazing. Um, three illustrations based on that and this is one of them and then uh, this is based on the buffalo hunt that they did right after his vision alright and this one takes a really different approach this artist likes to take a classic comic strip and a classic piece of literature and combine them and so here he took uh, the Metamorphosis by Kafka, and of course, Peanuts, Charlie Brown, and yeah, put them together. And, and you realize it actually, it, it makes total sense. It actually, it works, uh, because uh, Charlie Brown is actually very much like the main character. And you only realize it once you see this. And then here's another artist doing some more stuff from Franz Kafka, some of his later work. And then this is Molly Crabapple, who did a, um, uh, well, the, the author is Colette, who's a, a French author who's um, not as well known anymore, but uh, she should be, and, and Molly Crabapple uh, loves her work, so she chose to do uh, this illustration. Okay, and then this is from uh, Zora Neale Hurston, one of the, the key writers of the Harlem Renaissance, and uh, this is one of her, her short one-act plays where they're playing a poker game and uh, things get out of control. And so, yeah, Milton Knight did this really great 
you know, old school comic feel to this. And then this is the Grapes of Wrath, which is done uh, without any text at all. And, you know, really, really great spare line work. And it was an artist in Belgium who I think, I like that an artist in Belgium did this great interpretation of this, you know, this totally American novel. Uh, this is Flannery O'Connor, who is like one of the the great Southern writers, and Jeremy Eaton took this very experimental approach by uh, pretty much everything here except the backgrounds are typographic symbols. They're like um, you know, it's all letters and numbers and uh, punctuation marks. So this is one of the most experimental works. And then this is 1984, uh, a very unusual take on 1984 by Leslie Barnes. And this is going to run uh, as a two-page illustration. Uh, and then this is uh, an adaptation of Naked Lunch by William Burroughs, which is a very disturbing novel and the artist really kind of captured the, the nightmarish aspect of it. A rare early story from Thomas Pynchon that's set in a high school, so the artist did it on, on lined paper, so it looks like it's, uh, it's a high school project. And then this is from uh, the novel Crash by J.G. Ballard, which is like a, um, a really experimental science fiction novel that's become a classic. And, and like the, the whole six-page adaptation is like this really super slow-motion take on a car crash. And this is just one page from it. And then things end with uh, Infinite Jest by David Foster Wallace in 1996. And we have a few illustrations from it. Um, and then that's, that's the end of the 20th century and the end of Volume 3. So... Um, and of course, that's just the sampling because um, you know each each volume is actually 500 pages long. So there's like there's 1,500 pages in all, and so that that was just the sample of what's going to be in there. Um, so yeah, that's that's pretty much it as far as that goes. Like, if you have any questions about the book or the artist, yeah. Yeah. Did you only have that, or did you find artists to use specific stories, or how did you? Yeah, it worked different ways. Um, sometimes I approached an artist, and I thought their style would really work with something, so I would suggest it, and sometimes they went with it. But then, yeah, sometimes there were artists who, like, had always wanted to do a particular piece of literature, but 
they never knew who would publish it. You know, they thought if they put all the time and effort into it, you know, would it even get published? So this gave them the excuse to do that. And then a lot of the time, though, I just had like a wish list, basically, of of works I wanted to see um, see somebody do. So I would say if you're interested in the project but you don't really have anything in mind, you know, here's some ideas. So a lot of them chose from that list. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. So everything is There were different approaches that the artist took. I mean, a lot of, a lot of it is ac- the actual straight language from... Well, for, um, for short stories and poems, things like that, uh, the entire work is in there. But, like, yeah, for, like, novels and plays, it's usually just, like, one chapter or one scene. Uh, but a few of the plays, it's the whole thing done in, like, 12 or 14 pages. So it's kind of a condensed version. And, uh, yeah, I asked the artist to, to use as much of the original language as possible to, you know, not change it. So. I think there's different audiences for it. There's like, um, I think, I mean, obviously people who love comic books and graphic novels, you know, they're they're obviously an audience. But I also think um, people who like literature, you know, coming in from the other side, they're going to like, they're going to like seeing these different versions done. Um, And... Uh, I don't know, people who like art in general probably would like these books. And then, of course, there's um, students, you know, librarians. Um, that's another audience. So it was really, we didn't have just one audience in mind. Yeah, it was, there were a bunch of possible audiences. Yes. Uh, let's see. Uh, we started basically in January 2010, and so, yeah, and it's it's still going. I mean, we're still trying to get Volume Three done yeah, completely. So, yeah, it's not over yet. So, yeah, it, by the time it's all done, it'll have been like a three-year project. All right. Well. All right, thanks for coming out. And